Today on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about why we don't speak up and how to speak up more to get there, to get your giddy up on. I think so. Let's see. Let's figure Let's it out as find we go. Out. Let's see how we end. Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Karina Hoyer. And I'm Kirsten Barron. And we are so flippin' happy that you've decided to join us today to listen to this episode about what? We don't know. We're going to figure it out as we go. We do know. <laughs> we definitely know. We're talking about speaking up because uh, we want you, dear listener, to have ease, meaning, and joy at work and in life. And we've figured out all the keys to unlocking that. And we really want to share it with you. (laughs) We're also recording this from the traditional lands of the Lummi Nation and Nooksack tribe. There we are. There we are. So we are talking about why, 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 why we don't speak up Mm -hmm. and why we should speak up. And but before we get there, because this is the way I just have to tell our listeners something. Yeah. So, so I just had my birthday. Yeah. Which, of course, you know, starts on January 1st and goes all the way through to Valentine's Day. It's a six-week period. <laughs> and one of the things that I did for my birthday was go to the Korean spa with Karina. Yeah. We had this fabulous time. It's like you go in and you soak in these pools that are 104 or 90 or 60, which turns out I loved the 61. Um, and then there's all these rooms. There's a jade room. There's like a salt room. And this is all very basic. I mean, it's beautiful and luxurious, but it's not fancy. Mm-mm. It's just a really simple place right and And you're going in these rooms that are warm right they range in temperature from there's the the chilly room 60 60, up to 170 degree room Mm -hmm. and you go in and you lay down or sit and just essentially soak up the heat and the infrared rays and whatever energy is in that room the salt energy the jade energy the charcoal yeah whatever so we're in the sand room we're in the sand room. It is 170 degrees. I think that one was 150, but... It's stinking hot. Tomato, tomato at this point, right? It's stinking hot, right? And we're laying in this room. <laughs> and I am so happy because I love heat. Right. And it's like, yes. And heat is different for you. Heat makes you a tiny bit anxious. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, it's hot. It does trigger a little bit of a like survival yes. mode in me mm-hmm. where you're like... I am. I'm, I'm like a. I'm like here. a lizard. I love it. So we come out of the room, and I and Kirsten says to me, "I think I lost track of my hands and my feet in there." I did. I was laying there, and I was just you know clearing my mind, feeling the heat, <laughs> and I was like, "Wait, wait, where are my hands? I've lost my hands," and I had to really think to get them back. Uh-huh. Right. It was a really interesting experience that I was sharing with Karina, and I said, "Well." Not me. (laughs) I was laying there devising a plan to escape if they locked the door. How would we get out? She says to me, how would we get out if they locked the door? And I was like, well, I'm not much help because I don't have any hands. (laughs) 
And I had literally devised this entire <laughs> plan to utilize what was available to us to not only get the heat, like to br- introduce, to disperse some of the heat, to like get some of the heat out of the room, introduce some fresh, cool air, but also escape that room. I just, and that was so a great way funny. to spend 15 minutes. It was hysterical. I was like, this is the difference between us. I've lost track of my hands. But as soon as you did bring up how to get out, I was like, oh, we would just knock out the ceiling tile. I was really in. Yeah, you were totally in. I was totally in, but it took me, you know, I had to find my hands first. It was (laughs) (laughs) so weird. I know. There's so many of those. I love those kind of like, huh? You were thinking that? Yeah. And I was over here thinking this completely different thing. Very Uh, interesting. Yeah, very different experience. But anyway, you do want me on your team if you need to figure out stuff like that. Because I've already, already uh, chances are I've already thought it through, all the way through, in crisis. Okay. And then I would speak up about it. Speak up. I've solved, I figured out a way to (laughs) solve this problem, Kirsten. (laughs) But I love this subject of why we don't speak up. I first read an article um, somewhere around Thanksgiving. In the New York Times. Yeah, that yeah. really kind of piqued my interest about this topic because the author, uh, Dr. Sunita Sah, who we will reference throughout this show, does research about why we don't speak up. And she was writing an article kind of about here's what you should sort of be aware of what's going on in your body and in your mind as you're approaching this big holiday meal with all of the people in your life who may or may not appreciate Mm -hmm. you speaking up. And it made me remember a lot of the research that we've cited or read about women specifically and what we do or don't do in groups, um, you know, to voice. And particularly at work. Yeah. And particularly at work. But there is a lot of great information about all of that and a lot of great definitions about what speaking up truly is. Because it's not just talking Mm -hmm. and it's not just public speaking Mm -hmm. or speaking in a meeting or, you know, saying something. It's deeper than that. Yeah. It's more about our personal boundaries. Right. Right. Like who we are, what we believe in. What's important? Yep. Um, it's the diversity and the experiences that we bring yeah. when we voice whatever we have to say. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. And also, researchers really define it as saying something publicly when your some when your uh, rights or your needs or your values are being threatened mm-hmm. or or a boundary, you know, or not is, considered yeah. or challenged or whatever. Yeah. So it's when you're in a moment and you're thinking, uh, this, I'm uncomfortable or I don't like this or what's happening right now is an affront to my values. And I'm not going to, I'm going to say something about it or I'm not going to say something. About and why not? It. And why not? That's what we mean by speaking up. And interestingly, a couple of, um, researchers Gibson and Sutherland, which I also um, read like a little a, bit about this morning. Like a guitar, I know. <laughs> oh, it is the mm-hmm. Gibson and Sutherland mm-hmm. Dicar- D- guitar. Guitar. Um, they said that since the 1950s, the percentage of Americans who do not feel free to express their views has tripled, which is so odd to me. Yeah, like that statistic blows my mind. Like I really thought that the fifties was the time when people were more buttoned up and quote unquote polite. Oh right. But it's really to me an incongruous piece of information and says something pretty troubling mm-hmm. to me about about what about where we are as a community. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and a workplace. And we will discover why. 
right? Why people discover why, why people don't speak up. You were looking into um, or reviewing the, the data about women. I did just quickly. I mean, you know, part of me was like, we've gone over this so many times. I feel like a little bit of a broken record. But we know this. Women are less likely to speak up. When they do speak up, it's more likely that they're speaking up for others than for themselves. Yep. Um, there was a study by some professors at Emory and Barnard Colleges, and they reviewed just transcripts of all kinds of meetings mm-hmm. for a period like, over a period of twenty five years. Jesus. Yep. So many transcripts, and they discovered, <laughs> and without the help of AI, which is yes, is, because it was earlier. It yeah, is, this is an earlier study; it's about is ten years old. Sizable. It's a sizable body of number work. of transcripts to review, and they found that women are interrupted. 10% more than men mm-hmm. on average. Mm-hmm. But what I found really interesting in their findings and they, the place that they found this data was in congressional hearings when okay. legislators are speaking. Okay. They discovered that when women are talking about issues that are particularly important to women, uh-huh. we are actually interrupted 50% more than men. Jesus. Isn't that fascinating? So when we talk about something important to women, yeah, more shut down, more more often interrupted, right? More often not given space and room not to speak. Just so I thought that was a really interesting thing, and also to me was like, oh, okay, there's the power of the patriarchy. There's the power of the patriarchy. When you start talking about women's issues, you know, it just tamps you down. Sure. Um, the other interesting thing was an HBR study. And this is fascinating. They did their own study, actually, Harvard Business Review. They interviewed 65 high-level executives in national firms and found that men and women actually agree that speaking up is a problem for women, mm-hmm. but they attribute it to different causes. Oh. This is a little gross, so get ready. Okay, I'm, I'm ready. Get ready. So men said that women do not make their point in a strong and clear way. That's why they don't speak up? That's why they, one, don't speak up, and they really shouldn't be given as much airtime. Because they're not clear because and they're not nor strong forceful and enough. Clear. They're not forceful. They get rattled, and they allow themselves to be interrupted. Kind of like you're a waste of our time. Uh-huh. You know? That is gross. It is gross, right? That's gross. And women say the reason they don't speak up is because they feel isolated. Yep. Because they're usually one of the only at work or yep. one of the few and less likely to enjoy conflict. Yeah. And so speaking up requires that you do battle to get all over these hurdles. If you're a woman, especially. Yes. Well, yes. If, to, yeah. to be, in order to have your voice heard. Uh, yep. So 45% of women leaders yeah. do have difficulty speaking up according to Catalyst. And by the way, these are leaders. Yeah. These are people who are already leaders and still have trouble speaking up. So we know that this issue is challenging for, for women, women in particular at work. The whole interruption thing, too, it's interesting because that's a pattern. If you are consistently interrupted over and over and over again, of course you're not going to. Mm-hmm. Of course that's a reason why you're not going to mm-hmm. speak up. Um, but I'm really pissed off at that whole. I know. It's really irritating for <laughs> I mean, the whole thing about if you start talking about women's issues, you're 50% more likely to be interrupted. Yeah. And that men think that you really don't deserve the space because you can't be clear. Yeah. So it might as well shut the hell up. And this is interesting, too, because you interrupt. You say that makes good conversation. And I'm going to venture. I'm going to I'm going to guess that that's not what they're talking about. They're not talking about like 
conversation that is a back and forth that blah, 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 blah. They're like, no, this person actually gets shut down. Yes. It's kind of interruption that's the shut down. And I do think my statement when I say, wait, interrupt. I'm, as a person who grew up mostly on the East Coast, I do feel like interrupting is good conversation, but that is a very sharp edge sword. Yes. So I just, and that is something that like I, as I, as I get older and have more experience in conversation with humans, I use less and less. Ah, yeah. Well, and I yeah, I think, but I do want to make the distinction that the kind of interrupting that we enjoy on the show is a back and forth mm-hmm. exchange of ideas where we build on the what the other person is about is trying to say That's a really or good is point. Sort of half said. Yep. In my case, mostly, and and the kind of interrupting that I think prevents women from speaking up in these meetings or these leaders is the kind of interrupting that is the sharp sword. Yes. That's the shutdown. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I just had to make that distinction. That's a really good point, Karina. I had not, I had not thought about that as we're preparing for this show, but yeah, the kind of conversation where you build on each other and you support and like grow something bigger. Sure. That's different. That's the yes. And yes. Yes, and, Karina. Yes, and. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Okay, so, and so obviously we're not speaking up enough, and we should be. We should be. And there are many other reasons as well, not just because we're interrupted or or shut down. Mm -hmm. It's because uh, we worry about certain things. Mm -hmm. We, all people, not just women, have a variety of experiences when we speak up internally. And we also worry that expressing unpopular views might sort of alienate us or, um, you know, embarrass us or whatever. There's this, and there's this term that Sunita Sa, mm-hmm. who is the um, organizational psychologist at Cornell who studies this stuff, um, coined, I believe she coined it, um, and that is insinuation anxiety. Yeah, One reason... Did why we don't speak up we're afraid to insinuate did you did this study make sense to you it did make sense to me <laughs> it took me a while it i had did to read make it a sense. couple of times it's super interesting but her point is that insinuating that you don't trust or disapprove with someone is one of the things that prevents us from speaking up right so i'm not going to say something because I don't want you to think I think a certain way about you, right? Right, that I distrust you or think you're not competent. Right, and she said this insinuation anxiety is behind why people, like why nurses hesitate to call out or speak up when a surgeon is going to do something that they don't Mm -hmm. think is right. Or co-pilots in... This is the big Korean Air uh, study from Mal... Or I shouldn't say study, but his examination of Korean Air and the cultural um, norms of being so polite mm-hmm. that the co-pilot would... Or who was subordinate, there weren't co's, they're, you know, they're hierarchical, wouldn't speak up, which he talks about causing several plane crashes on Korean Air before they completely revamped it. Right. And now they have this kind of amazing safety record because they dealt with this inability to speak out right like right. the people that were in the cockpit were not speaking out about something going horribly wrong because they didn't want to insinuate yes that they distrusted their mm-hmm. exalted 
leader Who, yeah, or the person ahead supervisor, of them. right? Yeah, they're they, superior. They're superior. They had insinuation anxiety. They're whatever. Right. Uh, she also says that's why derogatory remarks like racial slurs could go unchallenged in social gatherings. I don't want to insinuate you're a racist, so I'm not going to call out that slur. It's a really interesting term, insinuation anxiety. I'm afraid of what I'm going to insinuate by speaking up, so I'm not going to speak up. And she tested this in a variety of experiments. Talk about the comp- talk about the difficult to understand experiment. <laughs> well, I'm going to try to synthesize it. I explained it three different times to Barry, and, and I, I was finally <laughs> able to get it clear. So I think that what you're saying is not a reflection on Barry, but a reflection on your ability to grasp and and articulate it in a okay great, yes clear way, which. When that happens to me is unnerving. <laughs> I get it. I was saying the other day, I get it. I, words aren't coming to me and I don't understand what's happening in my brain. Like this doesn't happen to me. And uh, somebody I was with was like, um, welcome. Welcome to what the rest of us experience. No kidding, Karina. I know. Please, please. Okay. So here's the, here is the long and short of it. Her study had a man, put a man on a ferry. And he walked around the ferry and asked people on the ferry if they would take a survey. And in exchange for taking the survey, he offered them a choice. Either he would pay them $5 on the spot, or they'd be in a lottery to win anywhere between zero and $10. And when given that choice, and about 8% of the survey takers chose the lottery and everybody else just said, I'll just take the five bucks. So then he said, uh, so then he did it again. To some of the ferry riders. Yeah. Um, He advised them to take the lottery. He was like, "Um, here's your choice, but I'm telling you, most of the time the lottery pays out, so I would suggest that. And when he did that, about 20%. So he was able to increase the percentage by about, you know. Two and a half times. Yeah. When he disclosed that if they chose the lottery, he would also get a cut, a kickback, a, a portion of it, then 42% of the people chose it. And I thought initially, well, yeah, because people are like, oh, I guess I'll help a guy out. Right. It's a, it's a general, it's being generous. Sure. I mean, there's that, yeah, there's some kind of evidence of the generosity of humans and wanting to share this with this man, the survey man. Right. But no, because when, no, no. unfortunately, that was not friends. No, no. I wanted the result to be that. It's not, it's not. And that's what I did too. It really was this insinuation anxiety. Passengers said that despite the fact that they now mistrusted the advice that they were given because he was biased because he he gets a bonus. They felt uncomfortable rejecting his advice because they didn't want to insinuate that he, they believed he was biased. Isn't that so fascinating? Look at us creatures. We tie and ourselves is, in knots. We do. This is somebody with whom we have no relationship. For five bucks. He's not in your workplace. He's not in your family. He doesn't live on your street. But we do not want to insinuate that you're somehow biased. We do not want to insinuate that you're somehow biased. That's crazy. Even though you just said you were biased. So 42% of us are like, oh, I can't do that. Right. And... And then you fast forward or, you know, blow that up to the Korean air experience experiment or not experiment experience or, you know, in the surgical lab, surgical theater, Mm -hmm. which is I just love that. I love that phrase, too. In Um, the OR. It's again, I don't want to insinuate something Mm -hmm. bad about you, Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to speak up. I mean, okay, so that's one reason. Fascinating. Fascinating. 
Second reason why fear of embarrassment. Yeah. Like we're afraid that we're going to embarrass ourselves when we speak up. And so this is terrible. This is a terrible thing. I don't know why I'm laughing too, but it's just it's so like, it's because it's so incongruous. And Remember, it's, yeah, let's it's go so back human. to to my um great my great my second cousin, whatever. My the the professor of history yeah. who said that humor is the juxtaposition of the absurd, which is why you're <laughs> chuckling here because this is absurd, yes. right? So five thousand people a year die from choking because they get up and leave the table because they're embarrassed and do not want to ask their table mates for help. Yes. Again, they're embarrassed and they're so they not, leave the table because they're choking. They're in a life threatening situation and we're embarrassed to speak up. Right. To ask for help to speak up. So so fear of embarrassment. I I that I have that one. Yeah. I have the insinuation. Uh, anxiety. I right. have this one for sure. Sure, sure. And this other one also is... The, and, yeah, yeah, sorry. I was going to say, and also the other stuff we talked about, right? You don't want to be interrupted. You don't want to get, you know... Right. I don't want to um, be diminished. I don't want to make people... Yeah, marginalized by your mm-hmm. whatever, yeah. you know, by your people around you. This other one, though, you were going to say? This is the one that just is also <laughs> shocking. It's so interesting... I can't believe this How we study. do things so against our interest. Yes. Pluralistic... Ignorance. I love that term. Mm-hmm. Pluralistic ignorance. The group of us are totally ignorant. The group of us are totally ignorant. So psychologist John Sabini, who has passed away and his colleagues, argued that this is another kind of, it's kind of like embarrassment a bit. Yeah. Because there's this bystander effect where when people are together, we are unwilling to act. Yeah. In an emergency situation. I can remember first hearing about this as a kid when you heard about in New York City, everybody hearing in their apartment building, somebody screaming in the street, but nobody calling the police. Yeah. Right. So that's the first time that I heard about this. He did this study where he put people in a waiting room yep. and they were to complete these questionnaires. And depending on what part of the study they were assigned to. Some of them were sitting in a room with two participants and others were sitting in a room with two research assistants and others were by themselves, right? And then they put smoke in the room. They not just put, they started to To pump. Fill the room with smoke. Yes. Okay. And so here's what they found out. So the people who were sitting in the waiting room alone. Yeah. A majority of them, 75%, reported smoke to the experiment person. Yeah. Hey, there's smoke here. But the people who were sitting in the room with more than just themselves did not... No. Yeah. Sorry. I was no, you interrupt. go ahead. No, there's this distinction. So if you were sitting in a room full of other people who uh-huh. were in the experiment, we're all they're all kind of looking around and, and eventually about... Th- in, in about 38% of the cases, one of the three people stood up and spoke. So when you're by yourself, 75% of people got up and dealt with it. Two other people in the room looking around at each other, maybe talking, maybe like, I don't know, you're going to do something. I don't know. 38% did it. Went, got up and reported the smoke. Which is, I mean, just a little more than half when you were by yourself. When you are by yourself. But when the research, when you were in a room with two other people who were actors... And told, don't yeah, act, don't report, don't this. pretend, don't say pretend anything. like nothing is happening. Sit in the room, and pretend like nothing is happening. The number of times that that smoke uh, was reported fell to ten percent. 
So 90% of the people just sat in there and they said this and is And they not waved the smoke out of their eyes and they coughing. coughed. They rubbed their eyes. They might have opened a window. Yes. But they didn't report the smoke. 90% of the time. It's crazy. That is pluralistic ignorance. So we don't speak up because we're looking around the room or whatever and we're thinking, well, oh, somebody else is going to take care of or this. Or nobody else is seeing this. It's just, what is going on? Right. We yeah. assume that you, what we're thinking is so unique and and against the grain or whatever. Well, I guess if they're not seeing it, then what's happening mm-hmm. to me? Mm-hmm. To me, I think about extrapolating that into the workplace. When I see a safety violation. Yeah. When I see, when one of my values is being um, challenged. When I'm being harassed. When my gut instinct about the way to tackle this problem is being ignored, ignored, mm-hmm. or when somebody who is more forceful or more articulate or in a higher position of power makes a decision that I don't agree with, you know, I can see all of these reasons why you wouldn't yeah. speak up in the workplace. And Sabini says that the results of this test can also show why groups often make really terrible decisions, right? Yes. They make really terrible decisions because everybody is either thinking the same way and those who are not are unwilling to, or those who are not are unwilling to speak up, mm-hmm. right? Because of this pluralistic effect. Yes. Pluralistic yeah. ignorance. Yeah. It is wild. Mm-hmm. And it does impact our decision making, like you said. It impacts the outcome of what groups do and, and, you know, how we um, make decisions, et cetera, et cetera. It also impacts us physically and emotionally. Yeah. This is how it really hit me. And it, this was something that I, we've been talking about since Thanksgiving. Yeah. In some way, shape or form. Yep. And this is how I was looking at it initially, which is when we don't speak up, when we choose silence, we really can, it can be really detrimental to our how we feel, to our physical well-being, like holding the peace, right? Keeping yeah. the peace yeah. um, as opposed to saying something, you know? Like I, a friend of mine said she <laughs> was making some comment about the Bible, I think it was. And she said, um, and I might be conflating stories, but regardless, the point is good. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Regardless. So if listeners, if you hear half your story, you're probably right. So we're talking about something about race. And she said, yeah, the thing is, there are no white people in the Bible. And I was like, oh, that's right. There are no white people in the Bible. And my friend's mom <laughs> said, why do you always have to be so like negative? (laughs) And I was like, I I thought that was so funny because, you know, her mom doesn't want her to speak up. And yet her mom is asking her to just like live in this fallacy that the Bible is full of white people. And that disconnect with our truth and the reality around us does have these physical impacts. It's stressful. It is. It's stressful to maintain a lack of reality. Yes. It's not only stressful, it messes with our bodies. They say- Well, that's what I mean. It has these physical effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stress then has this like, uh, yeah, impacts on your immune system and your hypertension and cancer or whatever. Was it stress? Was it the stress uh, was like smoking 
a pack a day. What was I that? Or was that sitting? I can't remember. I think sitting with cigarettes, but you know, <laughs> I think that's I think that's it does. There 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 is some it does really, you know, it's it um can add to depression. It yeah. can make us feel depressed. Our immune system doesn't function right. Our heart doesn't function right. So when you we know about resentment, right? Yeah. What resentment does to us inside, or that discomfort. Yeah. So it all just eats away. But and so I, yeah. And to I, my friend who said there are no white people in the Bible, keep saying that. Yeah, just speak up, sister. And it, it is interesting when you think about that. Like when we truly say speaking up is when a value or something that you hold dear is being violated and you're not able to do that for all of these, any number of reasons, you've, you're also feeling very inauthentic in the mm-hmm. workplace mm-hmm. or in whatever situation mm-hmm. that you're in. Um, and you, I, I know that feeling. Oh, speaking up absolutely contributes to our sense of who we are, our authenticity, showing up in the world, right? Yeah. And when we do that, we know from all of our authenticity research that we've talked about over the years that it really enhances our satisfaction with work it, and life. It does. I do have to. So I want to. I would love for us to. Um, I think you do too, because this is part of our show. Talk about really the benefits of voicing our yeah. thoughts. But I found something. I just want to read this. is hilarious. There was a um, paper called "Is There a Duty to Speak Your Mind?" and this guy Michael Hannon, he published it just last year, March of twenty. Oh, two years ago, March of twenty twenty two. And he was really exploring this subject about you know kind of what our duty is but one of the things he wrote which i thought was funny um or he quoted it was bo burnham from inside magazine wrote this he said is it necessary that every single person on this planet express every single opinion that they have on every single thing that occurs all at the same time is is that is that necessary and he was like can't anyone just shut the frick up can't we write like he went off on this thing and i was thinking that's also not what we're talking about. No. We're not, we we are, there are great benefits to you and your workplace um, for voicing your opinions and your thoughts, but there is also a time to shut the hell up. Well, yeah, no, and we're not talking about the, right. We're, we're not tra- talking about speak up in every single situation we'll about cl- every single thing. And we'll talk more more at the end about when we speak up. We'll talk yeah. more about the when. Yeah. But- I mean, this whole thing about speaking up, like if we do not bring our perspectives, our values and our experiences into the workplace, right? Really bad things happen. Yeah. Really bad things happen. And we know from all of the research we've talked about the value of diversity in the workplace. Yeah. And how it leads to much better decisions, much better workplaces, greater teamwork, all of that stuff. Right, right. They also say one of the benefits to voicing your thoughts is that it is good for your, it's necessary to develop your rational faculties, which Ooh, I thought was interesting. interesting. So, and, and I noticed this, I noticed this when I, when I'm like, you go out on a limb and you say something that's maybe counter, maybe you're like the, the 10%, mm-hmm. maybe you're somebody who's mm-hmm. sitting in a room full of people and nobody's saying anything. But even just in conversation, when you bring up kind of a counterpoint or your own opinion about something, I think it does. The more you talk about it and the more you say something, it does sharpen your mental faculties. It does make you have make it makes you think about your point 
more more clearly more articulate clearly. it better yes you know be ha- have your communication be stronger it's interesting when i think about this topic you know i work primarily with women right so i yep. work in a workplace with women and i work primarily with lawyers yep. and the people who support lawyers paralegals and legal assistants and particularly lawyers like we are trained to speak up yeah in fact we're part of those people who like to have to every opinion you've got everything do you really have to say everything I have sat in so many meetings with lawyers who say, I would argue, or um, hmm. I might say. So it's so interesting to me. I think that I have surrounded myself with people who speak up all the time, mm-hmm. right? So I don't feel like I have I have this experience in my own workplace. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is when I leave my workplace, yeah. I have it. Yeah. Yes. When I go out with other lawyers, I'm in meetings with other people, whether it's, you know, my for my clients or for my work or for my volunteer work or whatever it is, or political stuff, I can really feel this. Yeah. And so it's interesting to have that, those two distinct environments. Yeah. A place where I don't feel this. Yeah. And then places where I do. And in the situation in the lawyers where everyone is speaking up all of the time, do you feel like that also you you get better at it you exercise Absolutely. your intellectual muscles and in some ways your intellectual independence right it's you get better at having informing your own opinions and speaking your own opinions and defending your own opinions and that's one of the you know benefits in addition to avoiding all of those you know negative health benefits yeah and i think that when i think about all my lawyer conversations i can see that like you guys are sharp we're i think so and i also feel like because of that training and those experiences i do feel this duty to speak up Mm -hmm. when i feel like somebody is like other people are just are uncomfortable or there's like something that needs to be considered or like there's this duty to carry something that i need to use this voice and these skills for other people yeah yeah i've gotten better at using them for myself, but uh, that was harder. I mean, we talked about that in the beginning. Yeah. Women are more likely to speak up for other people. Yeah. Yeah. I find that as someone who goes into other people's workplaces, I frequently think I, I'm frequently in a situation where I'm also helping the people who aren't speaking up find their voice either by practicing and helping them to kind of write mm-hmm. down what it is mm-hmm. they need to say and practice it yeah. or by saying, hold on a second guy who can't stop talking we're gonna listen to so and so what do you have to say Mm -hmm. what are we missing here what are we not thinking about right now and i feel like using kind of that ability and willingness to speak up and position to help others have their voices heard and it's almost always when somebody's brilliance is missing from the conversation Yeah. And the pros say... Or for me, not even necessarily brilliance. For me, it's more like... (laughs) Honestly, for me, it's more like their person is missing from the conversation. I don't even know if they have something brilliant to say, but I'm like, your person is missing from this conversation. Mm -hmm. Your, your, Your experiences, your energy, your whatever as a human is missing. Let's like... Bring, let's loop this in. Yeah. yeah. And we're, and we're, and we need the benefit of that. Mm-hmm. The pros say, you know, this is precisely when you should be speaking up is when something, you know, when you obviously have something that no one else is saying yet, 
and or when your perspective isn't being represented yet, but also when your boundaries are being violated mm -hmm. or when or other people's boundaries are being violated, when you notice they're upset and they're not speaking out. Yeah. Yes. Right. That's and it's tricky to navigate that. But I've been in those situations and left that moment and been like, boy, I really missed that. I missed an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so I've gone back to that person and said, this happened. This was really, I felt sexist or disrespectful or whatever. I'd like to, I, I wish I would have said something in the moment and didn't. Can I do this? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I check in sometimes, but it, we just miss it occasionally. Right. And I think that's where, if you, like you said, if your voice or if somebody else's voice isn't mm -hmm. being represented, that's also, it's okay to speak up and say, like what I was saying about facilitating, um, wait a minute, so-and-so hasn't had a chance, Let, you know, yeah. they're also like when you recognize danger or when you yeah. see somebody who's when being there's harmed, smoke in the room, when there's maybe smoke tell in the somebody, room, get your ass <laughs> off the couch and go tell somebody about it. Even when you're with a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. But it does at take least ask a question. <laughs> does anybody notice this? Am, it, am I the only one who can't breathe nor see because there's so much smoke in the room? Do you think we should? Am I the only one who's thought that maybe this might lead us to this conclusion or maybe this might take us down this road that's not so great? Yeah. And the, oh, yeah. Or the embarrassment thing. Like, is it? It's OK. Embarrassment is not the end of the world. Right. If you're a little bit like, no, nobody smells the smoke, Kirsten. Right. Like, oh, okay, fine, right? Great. Right. At least I checked. Because occasionally I do smell things people don't smell as an aside. <laughs> I'm like, the other day I was like, do you smell blah, blah? They're like, no. That's a ghost. I'm like, okay, fine. That's a ghost. So, but if you are going to speak up, especially if someone who's not practiced, like Kirsten, or, <laughs> <laughs> or who is in a situation where you are not in, you know, you, you're, yeah, you're kind of fearful or not fearful, but like aware of the fact that you might be embarrassed or, or, um, whatever it's really important to practice i think about all of the times that i've prepared like had to speak up in the moment you kind of get sick mm, right mm -hmm. my head will get hot sometimes even just public speak anyway and if you practice 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 in safer in in safe environments you get better at turning off of that turning off that kind of reptilian part of your brain mm -hmm. and tapping into your executive function so you can speak up so it's like this when you're in a 150 degree sand room, you're like thinking how to get out. But there, I'm serious. There really are some. It is good to practice like the pat phrases. I used to say, yeah. I used to say, I, I do. I still say this, but I always say to myself, Kirsten, you know, don't talk to people who aren't in the room. I used to have these crazy conversations with myself, where oh. he said, then I said, then he said, and I got all worked up, and he wasn't even there, right? I'm oh, like, I that's love those weird. Conversations. That's weird, Kirsten. No, it's not. We all do it. We do, but I do think now. I've, I'm hoping that my brain training is where I have conversations where I'm planning, and not just getting myself all emotionally worked up because I think somebody is going to say something offensive they haven't even said yet. Right. But right? preparing for that. Yes. Preparing for having those conversations in your head about, well, what if they were to say this or what if they were to yeah. say that? What would I say? Right. Especially if you've been in a situation where there's a pattern. Right. OK, I'm walking into this thing. It happens. It goes like this every single time. I'm going to speak up this time and I'm going to practice how I'm going to do that in a way. You know, and, and again, that practice is like gives you a knee-jerk response rather than... Yeah, and speaking up doesn't necessarily mean 
that you're like going to go like go hit your get hit somebody with your bat. Right. Right. It could just be. And I think probably most appropriate leading with curiosity. Mm. Well, tell me about that. Why would you say I'm curious why you would say that? Right. So that idea of leading with curiosity can also be a way to speak out. It is. But I, I don't like it for some reason. Because you're bold. Yeah. Because you're bold. <laughs> Maybe. And I'm working on getting bolder. Believe me. Yeah, that's I know. My 2024. Which is so great. But I do think sometimes if you're not sure, if you feel uncomfortable about a conversation and you're not sure how to intervene, getting curious about it can give you an opportunity to intervene. I Yes, I hear you. And I don't want us to frost anything. Yeah, fair enough. I don't want to frost my assertion in you know, <laughs> curiosity. And I want to lure people in. I know. Right. With your sweet. With my sweet curiosity. <laughs> and then, and then, you know, then lay out whatever hard thing I have to say exactly. with my velvet glove. Oh, I know. You're holding on to the bat exactly. behind <laughs> their back with a velvet glove. <laughs> but I think it's, it is really clear. I think it's really important if you are going to speak up to know why. Yeah. Really, what are you trying to accomplish? And that's back to that thing. Like, the, it does every. Do not do it for the sake of doing it. Right. And that's what, that's the like, do we have to hear every flickering opinion about everything? No. Or. But, are you just saying something to be argumentative and combative? Right. Which I am have lost my tolerance for, as you know, Kirsten. Not be, from personal experience, but just because of the stories <laughs> I keep telling you. <laughs> but it is, you've got to be clear on what you're hoping to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be trying to change someone's mind mm, and it's not possible? I don't know. Do you just need to say that, boy, I don't know everybody feels that way. Yeah. Because I certainly don't. Right. Do you need to, but if you, if you need to defend your values, if you need to keep yourself safe, if you need to keep someone else safe, if you need to have your voice heard in the room, those are perfect reasons to speak up. Mm-hmm. Don't speak up just to speak up. And yeah. I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> I'm talking to you, those th- men that listen to this show. That's really aimed at oh, you. Oh, see, if they listen to the show, they don't really need it. Oh, they might. They just, probably not, but whatever. <laughs> I'm giving them the the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Here's the other thing. Don't fall into, I'm, okay, I'm just going to move on from that. You're like, That's I fine. give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, enough. Um, (laughs) (laughs) enough of that Uh, don't fall into this whole over explaining trap when you are speaking oh my gosh this is this is me I'm an over explainer you are I'm an over explainer absolutely let me tell you let me justify why I've said no oh yeah totally over explainer you know this about me I'm not no, maybe, no well, you're not. Maybe I am. No, I just like to state and then restate and say it again. Sounds like I'm overexplaining, but I'm just saying the same thing three different ways. <laughs> but it is it's bringing <laughs> us all along. I That's just what it and is. then aiming you over here. But the it, it don't, that is something to be aware of. Mm-hmm. That speaking up in and of itself does not need to be overly justified mm-hmm. by you. It's it doesn't necessarily do you. Um, it's a waste of time, frankly. Yeah, that's what I I have actually written texts explaining myself, and then been like, okay, there you go, Kirsten, over explaining, just delete it. Yeah. So this little exercise in my brain, there you go, yeah. over explaining. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would say, if you are gonna start speaking up, um, is really just honor, honor your preferences. Uh, yeah. Yeah, honor your preferences. Uh, honor Sometimes who you that's are the, just enough. Just mm-hmm. yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, for you to know who you are, where your boundaries are, where your values are, what you stand for, and to voice it. Mm-hmm. Don't second guess yourself. That's really that's what it's about for me. And and this goes back to this whole one of I think one of the big 
main themes of this podcast is that when we all bring ourselves fully yeah. to the workplace, it is an amazingly richer, more meaningful, more compassionate, safer, more effective and productive place, yeah. right? And yes. this is like one of the tools to getting to that like delicious, delicious yumminess. Yes. 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 Don't, exactly, don't dim your light. Mm-hmm. Because it that it's gonna bring yeah, exactly that beautiful the beautiful things that we're aiming for. And these are some things that we've talked about today that get in the way of us doing that that we yeah. can be aware of. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna revisit pluralistic ignorance, fear of embarrassment, and insinuation anxiety. Three great things to just really think about deeper as you're exploring why you may not speak up and why you might want to speak up. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening, listeners. Thanks for sharing this time with us. Yeah. Take care. Bye. Krina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Krina Hoyer. And Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork.com at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. (laughs)